Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. That's right, that's it's right. It's going to be us. We can drink and talk shit as much as we want. Nobody can say anything to us. D.L. Hughley, Uncut. Hey, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, D.L. Hughley, Uncut, and I, of course, am D.L. Hughley. I'm Jasmine Sanders. I'm Jay Mandiam, Indian Jay. Yeah. He said it so earnestly. Ain't nobody else hiring you. Just, just <laughs> yeah. Listen. We nobody else now. is hiring me because right. I ask you for a job recommendation for right. how much right. I apply Well, to. you should know better. Don't ever ask him for a recommendation. You're an Thank educated you. man. What the hell is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> it is very interesting. Very. Uh, you were talking about this before we got started. And um, our condolences to Charlie Pride, oh. who, I, who I got a chance to meet. I was in Dallas. Uh, a couple years ago, and I got a chance to meet and hang out with him for a very long time. I was, a, you know, I uh, I really enjoyed his company. But I have to say that uh, black people hanging out with rednecks ain't never going to work out. No. Never. <laughs> no. That Country Music Awards. They, they actually asked me to, to to do a part on that. To host it? They, they asked me to present on the Country Music Awards. So what they would have gotten you too. Are you, are you out your fucking mind? <laughs> Hey, listen, we have a special surprise dangling from this rope. <laughs> it's our darky Christmas tree ornament. Um, they did. They asked, they asked my, my publicist event. Shocking. I'm like, ain't no way in the fuck. Yeah. What category? Uh, I, I think, uh, I don't know, Conway Tweedy. I don't know who to wear. I don't, like, I just didn't even understand it. But I just think um, it, there is a correlation between old black dudes hanging out with rednecks and ended up. Uh, you know, going it's to the true. gray beyond. I think it's, it's definitely a correlation. I, I mean, was Darius Rucker at the CMAs? Nope, He's no. still alive. Yep, First no. of all, who thought it was a good idea for Charlie Pride at '86 to attend the CMAs? Yeah, well, '86. I mean, the CMAs. Do they even know what Zoom is? Did yeah. they really zoom no. in? No, probably. But the only place a '86-year-old black man should be going is to the mailbox to get his security, social security check. That's all <laughs> he should be doing. <laughs> Literally, but it's very sad, of course. It is sad. Uh, and he was a, he was a delightful young man. Um, I find it interesting. Um, I was watching the first doses of the uh, the, uh, vaccine the vaccine come out, and they were in FedEx trucks. And I, I wouldn't even <laughs> trust FedEx to drop off my fucking TV. <laughs> so here they are, dropping off they a are. life-saving vaccine. Right next to the bike you order for yes. your stepson. Well, not only that, we've we've all seen the footage, right, where FedEx workers are delivering packages and they just throw them up right. on the steps. <laughs> right. 
Or, or remember one? I don't know if, it, but it was some, and they screened them in and then stole them back. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm I don't want to say that was FedEx, cause, but all I'm gonna say, DL, is what can Brown do for you? Right, all right? right. You get right, the UPS right. drivers and the Brown doctors <laughs> right. to make the vaccine right. for you. Well, I did find it interesting that the very first person to get the vaccine was a black woman. An emergency uh, medical uh, nurse. Yeah, you you know the only thing black people usually get first is fired. That like, <laughs> if we get fired, I've never seen an attempt to save our lives first. Either fired or arrested, we get first. After that, absolutely. But I am going to take the vaccine. I'm I've seen wait. what it's done, uh, yeah. you know, in my life, and I've seen like like I said, I didn't get really sick at all. Like I wasn't feeling any symptoms, but the the stuff. That I had to deal with after, like I had to have, have to take all those tests for my heart and stuff, and you know, having low blood pressure that was just. And it was a kid that yeah, pe- Keontae yeah. Johnson. Yeah, it was from Florida, was it? Florida? He yeah. died from residual heart uh, problems. He didn't from- die though, did he? They put him in a medically induced coma. Yeah, yeah. and he's a young, strong kid, yep. and that's what they were saying. They were saying that so many people, it isn't the you know the COVID haulers. itself. It's it's it's, yeah. it's it's what it does to your 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 internal organs. It could do your pulmonary system. Some people are on oxygen tanks for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Because yeah. So, they you know, what's interesting is I just found out that the reason my I've always had great blood pressure my entire life. But after COVID, now my blood pressure fluctuates. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. It stays high now more yeah. than usual. And, my, my, and mine's I've always had low blood pressure. Like I've always had low blood pressure. But uh, now, and I and I run and exercise a lot. But I I feel b- good when my, my heart is, is at sixty beats a minute. But now it'll drop to fifty two beats a minute. So and then I feel a little dizzy. So I, it's just all the the things that I've had, like the dizzy spells and stuff like that. In terms of uh, I just I just uh, would never want to have a situation where I contracted again. But I, I what really affected me was what I did. It was like what, like all the people in the office that got if some. Something had happened to it. Would it would have been something I couldn't deal with. So I, I just I'm gonna be on the road. I'm, g- I'm having a new grandbaby. I mean, I just I just don't want to be uh, my the, the way that I've lived my life and the things that I do naturally make me more kind of susceptible to those things, like flying on planes and playing these gigs. And it's it's what I'm going to do. It's the way I. Well, I, the I've other lived, thing is, so. it's not just about you. It's about right. other people because you don't know how COVID is going to affect them. Right. You know, you may not have any symptoms or you may not be sick at all, but someone else could get it, right? And, and they die. could die. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to kill, like uh, now, like my, my father-in-law can't come over, who I really enjoy a lot uh, because he cooks and burns my house down. But I just, um, I he just, didn't do it on purpose. I know. But I, it's just so many things. Like, it's it's just, and I know there'll never be a normal, so to speak, but I know the life I, I live and the things I do and the way I've structured my career and my life uh, I'm I'm going to always be susceptible to something like this, yeah. and, and I just I just like well I might as well, because I, I just it was when I found out everybody got it, it really was devastating to me, and I just I, I would never go through that again. I, I didn't give it to you. Did you have? I'm, I'm the only one who didn't catch it because uh, I don't show up to work on days I don't get paid. <laughs> right. <so. laughs> right. Oh. Maybe I but, should try that. You know what? See? I did. I did join. I joined a vaccine trial. Uh, I joined the Johnson. Well, you guys Johnson do trial. them, so you might as well. Yeah. Just, hey, <laughs> Your hey, uncle was giving you cousin. a shot. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I joined the Johnson Johnson vaccine trial. I did it two days after my 36th birthday. Wow. And uh, I started experiencing lower back pain, and I started forgetting where my keys were, so I wasn't sure if it was the vaccine or if it was being 36. <laughs> right, right. Either way, it's I scary. just ain't going to trust no nigga named Johnson with a needle. That's just my thing. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, <laughs> and if it's two of them, I know I... <laughs> Welcome back to D.L. Hughley Uncut. Our next guest is a senior pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church and the Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate. Please welcome Reverend Raphael Warnock. How are you, young man? Brother, I appreciate that compliment. You starting <laughs> off on the right foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, even I was, if I was wrong, you had to forgive me. You're a Christian, so you that have to correct. forgive me. Like you had to forgive me. Um, I was in Atlanta this uh, this uh, for the last four or five days. And I saw one of the commercials, I, I don't know, uh, that uh, Loeffler ran, and it called you a radical. And it's interesting because you're a preacher, and wasn't Jesus a radical? <laughs> Listen, uh, Kelly Loeffler has a lot of explaining to do. Yes, she does. <laughs> she was selected, not elected to that seat. She was appointed. The people of Georgia are disappointed because she has spent her time there enriching herself rather than trying to protect her constituents. And it's, it's an interesting choice, you know, for a politician who's trying to keep a seat that was uh, uh, given to her, that she literally is not making a case for why she should stay there. She's, she's attacking me. I don't mind at all. Uh, all of the things that she's calling me, those are things that um, they call the... Uh, they called out the king in the pulpit where I now serve. I'm not saying I'm him by any stretch of the right. imagination. I've been right. clear from day one that I don't walk in his shoes. I'm trying to stand on his shoulders. But, but um, um, listen, I, I am blessed to serve in Atlanta, where we have these giants that we just bump into. Earlier uh, today, I cast my vote alongside Andrew Young, a living icon. Right. When I think about Andy Young and John Lewis, who left us a little while ago, and others, Dr. King, they were on the right side of it. The folk who called them other all kinds of things, nobody even remembers their name because they were on the wrong side of it. Kelly Leffler is on the wrong side of it. But she doesn't think she is, and I, I don't know that a lot of, con of the country does. I think I find it very interesting um, that... Uh, you 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 have a vocation now. I'm 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 not uh, I'm not a regular churchgoer, but you at least espouse a vocation that is about the service of people, right? That's that's Absolutely. you shepherd people, and she has a vocation of making money, and those th th those things are antithetical. But why would a uh, a man of the cloth uh, go to work for uh, a want a position in the government? Because I think that. There are a lot of things that, that you have to do in that in that in that station that are kind of uh, against your principles. Wouldn't you like? Because there's things you got to do. Like they, you, you have well, to. There are things you have to. to there's a function well, I, of the I, job you have to have. Yeah, I I, I think that um, the assertion that you're making is really an indictment on what has happened to our power, which is precisely why I'm running. <laughs> um, it wasn't the, the a diamond, so that's, that's, that's yeah, the, yeah, the democracy belongs to the people. And the only way we clean it up is for the people to come back and get their democracy. Um, you know, I, I, I believe in the American idea 
Uh, it is a union that is not perfect, but our work is to build a more perfect union. And I've spent my 15 years, uh, over the last 15 years, I've been in Ebenezer Baptist Church fighting for access to affordable health care from the pulpit. And I often took that fight from the pulpit into the public square. That's not new. Uh, except that the last time I went to the state capitol uh, and the last time I went to the U.S. capitol, I went as an activist and I literally got arrested uh, standing up for health care. I didn't mind. It seemed like a small price to pay when I considered that some half million Georgians were in the Medicaid gap. Uh, that when I went to the U.S. Capitol in 2017, we were passing a $2 trillion tax giveaway to the rich of the rich while taking money away from the children's health care program. Why am I running? I, I, I'm running uh, so that uh, those Capitol Police officers who took me away that day, and I, they were just doing their job, and, and I was doing mine. Um, I'm hoping to meet them again. This time they won't be escorting me to Central Booking. They'll be helping me find my new office. Uh, in the United States Senate. I hope you win, and, but I hope you win for a lot of reasons, uh, primarily because I think uh, that the idea of Mitch McConnell being uh, in charge at this perilous uh, moment in our history is just too much for me uh, to take. But I, 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 I can't help, but the conflation of religion in American politics has done a lot of damage. I just, I think that... Uh, when people, well, uh, uh, the evangelical community uh, was in lockstep uh, with uh, uh, Donald Trump and is now, despite all the things they saw, children in cages, uh, people needing uh, assistance and not being able but, to get it. But I, I just. All of that. Yeah, all of that is all of that. I, I and, and that's part of why I'm running. You don't, you don't forget, I mean, there is a countervailing narrative of the role of faith in the public square and in politics. And that's embodied in the story of Ebenezer Baptist Church and the pastors that have come out of this church. Martin Luther King Jr. was a preacher, was a man of faith. And um, he didn't take his doctrine. That's not what I'm advocating for. I'm not trying to take my doctrine as a, as a Baptist or even as a Christian for that matter uh, and, and uh, force that on anybody else. But I think the grand value that uh, obtained in all of the great faith traditions, and those who claim no particular faith tradition, but are people of moral courage, justice, compassion, equity, empathy. Uh, I don't, that, that's what I'm taking with me to the United States Senate. I think this is a moral moment. We've seen what an amoral exercise in government looks like. Uh, we see it in, in, in the person who occupies the, the White House now for a few more weeks who's been aided and abetted, as you well point out, uh, by those who have, um, uh, it seems to me, abdicated their responsibility uh, to be people of faith, to hold government and to hold um, those in leadership accountable. And so I, I will agree, it's, it is an extra step. Um, but I'm I'm part of a I'm not the first. Um, but you are you are the first. Well, you're one of the first because Martin Luther King never sought public office. Uh, and, and no, no, he never sought public office. But a lot of the folks who served with him did. Reverend Andrew Young. Right. Sure. That Andy Young is a pastor. Right. And, and uh, the thing the thing I, I want to the, the thing I find interesting is you talked about a, a moment as if this were a moment. Donald Trump is indicative 
of the core and the uh, system of America. It is it is he may be the, the, the most horrible recent manifestation of it. But it, when was there a moral moment in this? Because I must have missed it in history. Uh, I think we have an opportunity to, to make some things right. They weren't. But when was this moral moment that we need to get back to that has been missing for so now, long? When I yeah, when I say it's a moral moment, uh, I'm, I'm saying that we have a choice to make. It's an inflection point. Sure. And it can go one way or the other. Right. It's a choose, you know, to, you know, again, you got the preacher. It's a choose right. she this day moment. Right. And um, we need voices of moral courage who will stand up and push us toward the highest ideals in our American story. It has always been a complicated story. It is the story of freedom, but it is complicated, uh, uh, certainly by by the story of, of slavery uh, and segregation and other forms of marginalization. Uh, and but yet- but right and wrong isn't complicated. Like like literally, I really I'm 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 a I'm a big fan of what I've read about you, and, and I'm I'm honored to have you on the show. But the idea that right and wrong and moral and courage um, are complicated or not. Right has always been right. Wrong has always been wrong. It is the way we nuance this. America has an opportunity to be what it says it wanted to be, not what it was. It, w- w- what does it want to be? And that, it, if courage is making somebody say that they want to rise to their highest aspirations, that sickens me. I think that ultimately we have to decide either we're going to continue to to be... Huh? We have to do it. Right, right, right. And and so you're now in a position, if if you and also win win, win these seats, you have shifted the balance of power and completed, I think, which was, this is a historical moment and what happens, uh, uh, no one knows. But... What things is it that you think that we are not doing that we should right at this moment? What What, what is what is this moment, well, that you, this moral moment that we're yeah. having? Yeah. Well, let me just tell you, my this this campaign and, and this movement it is informed by my own story. I grew up in public housing, one of 12 children in my family. I'm number 11 and the first college graduate. Uh, I am an iteration of the American story. Uh, I got here through hard work, grit, determination, but also somebody gave me some Pell grants and some low-end. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, but I, that's good federal policy. Right. And so I, when I'm running for the Senate, I, I know what good federal public policy looks like. It, it looks like what I've been able to. It looks like me uh, because I wouldn't be here were it not for Pell grants, low-end student loans. Uh, and even before that, uh, I was an upward-bound student. A lot of folks may not know what that is. I, I most certainly do. You know about it. Right. Okay. I wasn't and in I was, it. I wasn't. I saw yeah. people going. But I wasn't in it. <laughs> you, were, you were practicing your craft. Right. <laughs> and, uh, right. That's what we'll call it. How, how divine, yeah. how forgiving of you. <laughs> well, all, all, so and all of us are blessed because of it. So, so um, and then before that, as a, as a toddler, uh, I'm a Head Start baby. Head Start is a program that allows... Oh, yeah to have the kind of enrichment and engagement of their brain that sets the foundation for a better life. And so I know the difference personally that good federal public policy makes. And uh, I'm trying to push us toward uh, being a more inclusive nation, 
that does not, uh, that embraces all of our children so that a child's outcome is not determined by their parents' income. But, but, but how do you justify, how do you reconcile that? Well, because this nation, from a governance perspective, seems to despise the very uh, uh, edicts that we, as, as the people of lovers of Christ, are supposed to champion. They hate the poor. They hate the less fortunate. They believe that those are moral failings, and they they find they they they, they suffer the children. They shouldn't be in cages. But there was there was governance in there was governance in Man, place that stood the other way and that, said that they were like okay. You, sounds like you're making the case, D. L. Hughley, for why a preacher. Okay. Be- <laughs> <laughs> no, but but, 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 but how many? D. L. Hughley is in here. He's doing the preaching. I guess I ought to tell the truth. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know that they're discernibly different. You know, Who's going to raise the offering? <laughs> well, you know what? You can get the tax money, so I guess it'll be you. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm disheartened by people who are supposed to they espouse this love of Christ. They get to a position where they can actually manifest that. They can actually make it happen. And they turn the other way. when they, This nation... Uh, it's it's rare. It's rare in the in that we that we say that this is what we'd like. We're we're aspirational. We weren't what we 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 are not certainly what we want to be, but we can be with governance and leadership and belief. And that takes that takes effective leadership. Like right now, you have people who are suffering, dying, losing their houses, and there are some people saying right. you're on your own. You're on your yep. own. Kelly Loeffler would we, say you're on your. Purdue would say you're well, on. absolutely. Well, yeah, and she certainly feels that she ought to get a lot of government aid i mean she she purchased that seat she didn't waste any time trying right. to make good on investment and then when it came time to help ordinary people struggling people with a 600 dollar uh extended unemployment benefit uh she said that she saw no need to count right it, quote, counterproductive to help ordinary people meanwhile she was literally profiting off of the pandemic and so I'm I'm running, and I, I, I hope other people will decide to run. Uh, this is a representative democracy, and I think we're seeing what happens when you have nothing but a you have when you have a class of professional politics. I think on themselves on the, and on the next election. I think that that one of the things I would love to see, uh, and I, I don't know that we'll ever see it, but I, I'm hopeful. Um, it isn't ordinary people; it's poor people. We have the middle class. I we agree. have we have the uh, we we always but we never talk, we 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 adopt their language. Well, we, we have speaking the canes and we malign them. Yeah, we have so maligned poor people that it has become criminal to be poor. Right, and we criminalize people. Right, for being poor. We saw that in the Ferguson report. Right, when we saw uh, all of the ways in which uh, municipalities people talk about poor people living on the government. We saw in the Ferguson report how the government lived on poor people, literally mm-hmm. on the backs of poor people, and so through all of these sort of traffic violations, you are moving, you know, things that you and I we pay to find and move on. Uh, people who who are not making a living wage in the first place, and they get a traffic violation or a moving a violation, or you know, and we all want everybody to have insurance, health insurance, and car insurance. Sure. But Car insurance lapses, and then they they have to leave work to go show up in court. Well, you work an hour right. job, you miss work, miss work, you miss a wage, you miss court, you're in trouble. And then they literally have private companies who manage all of this with the threat of jail, right? With interest and all of this. So all of these kinds of schemes 
And poor people have, you're right, they've been so maligned that uh, uh, there's a sense in which there's this correlation, it seems, in people's minds between a, a deficit in resources and a deficit in value. Right, and morality so see, and, 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 and hope. Morality. You know what's interesting to me? I, I, I've, I've, I'm very excited about the prospect of this. But but I think that in, if we don't do anything else, I think that the fact that so many millions are poor and the fact that that's that's not black or white, that's I mean, 61 percent of black people are. But a lot of white people are a lot of people, Latin people are. And and the notion that we have a governance, the the the, 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 the we have a, a, a government in effect that has talked about them and used them and, and hold them. Everybody has a story about how my fa- grandfather came from here and he didn't speak English and he had two pennies in his pocket or I came from this side of, side of town. If we help the poor, if we decide that we will uh, live up to the mantra that we espouse, then I think we'll be a better nation. And I think people like you are in a position right now to change that. So when my, my, my interaction with you wasn't uh, to be abrasive. It was that I think that there is a moment that if we don't recognize, we will lose and we'll never come again. I believe that. Oh no, I don't feel. I don't listen. I don't feel it. Uh, th- this is this is uh, you know the kind of conversation that we need to be having. Uh, I think you know you know I, I preach in memory, and in the and inspired by one who in his first sermon said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And so for me, the test of my ministry as a pastor and the test of good public policy is whether or not it's good news for the poor. And to, you know, make that even clearer, you know, because, yeah, you're right, sometimes we call people middle class who are really poor. If you miss one paycheck and you're out of door, right. you're, you're poor. Right. And that's that's a lot yeah. of people in Georgia. And that's a that's lot a of lot people. Of- in the, and that's a lot of people that have been affected by this particular pandemic. If you, I've watched people, airlines who were flushed with cash, and a lot of them, one of them, the biggest one is located in Atlanta. They were flushed with cash, but if they didn't get an influx or assistance from the government, they were going, the government, they were going to go away. There are restaurants that are closing down. There are homes that are going to be lost. There are people that are going to be out in the streets. Our response, I do not want to advocate sending somebody to the to to, to an office of that, uh, that that high an office that does not recognize that the most urgent thing you can do is to save the people that need it the most. Not the people that can afford it, not the people that can pay for it, the people that need it the most. And right now, in the 1st of January, not only will a new president be inaugurated, but uh, tens of millions of Americans could potentially be out on, their home, uh, on the streets. Absolutely. And when we saw aid a few months ago, the Shake Shacks of the world, Ruth Chris, and the L.A. Lakers found themselves right. at the front of the Let's line. not say the Lakers. <laughs> Let's not, don't try to do that. Let's say, <laughs> Look, I ain't no Lakers, man. <laughs> what, what, what can I, 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 I really uh, love your sober, uh, and, and, and I think there's a level of pragmatism and reality that we need to to have. I think that right now, when you have to explain how nobody found you guilty of anything when uh, there was a pandemic and well, they didn't find me guilty of anything. I wish that America protected innocent black men like they do guilty white dudes, but that's a whole different thing. Uh, uh, what would you say to the people who have the same kinds of people are, are hopeless? They, they don't they don't they're, they're apathetic. What would you say to them? Because if they stay home, 
uh, it, it doesn't go well. If they don't, then it does. What do you say to them? Yeah, this this is a difficult and a dark moment. And I don't want to diminish the, the despair that some people feel. And um, because that's connected to a reality. Um, but, you know, the, the darkness uh, is overwhelming. But the scripture tells us that the light shines in the dark. And so we don't argue and pretend like it's not dark. But the light shines in the dark. And the darkness overcometh it not. We have to be partners together uh, in the work of, of building a more just, peaceful, uh, and equitable nation. It's hard work. It comes often and fits and starts. Uh, that's why Dr. King said that the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. We have to keep bending that arc. You know, a few months ago, I had the uh, honor and the sad duty of officiating and helping to eulogize John Lewis, my church member. And as I was preparing for that, I thought about uh, a young John Lewis in his 20s crossing that Edmund Pettus Bridge with his trench coat on, he and Hosea Williams in a backpack. And I wondered, well, what was he thinking in that moment? Here's what I do know. I know he was not thinking that, you know, I'm going to do this and people will see the, the that I'm right and Years from now, I'll receive a Presidential Medal of Freedom. He wasn't thinking about a medal. Um, when I die, uh, the whole country will pause, it seems, for six days. And there'll be three presidents, Democrats and Republicans, there to pay tribute to me. He didn't have any reason to think he would win. And the folks who marched alongside him, we talk often about the civil rights movement as if that those victories were inevitable. They were actually quite improbable. But they kept fighting the good fight because... Uh, they believe that even even if they lost the battle, that they were on the side of truth and justice making in the world. And so as difficult and as dark as these times are, I feel like we don't have a right to give up. And that's why I keep fighting the good fight. I, and, I, hope, uh, I hope you win. And, we win. and I hope you meet, actually give uh, a, a real literal meaning to truth and justice. I hope I actually get to see what that looks like as opposed to on some piece of paper or a commercial. I think that it's important that uh, th th there used to be a time when people uh, ran for those offices and it wasn't to enrich themselves. It wasn't to see what they could do for themselves. It was to make this country better. And by ma people do not understand and they don't seem to grasp that the least of us make us better, not the best. It's the least of us, the, 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 the most fertile farmland we have, the most the farm team that we have. The way to rise is to lift the people who are at the bottom. Yep. So I, I hope you do it, man. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm, Absolutely. I know I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. We're going to do it together. No, it no. Takes all I, I'm lazy. <laughs> I'm lazy. Well, you, 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 you a hardworking brother. I've, I've, seen your, I've seen your grind out here. So thank you so much for using your voice and your platform in the way that you do. Laughter is is, is disarming and in, in ways that then allow comeback and, and, and counterpunch and move the, the ball forward. So thank you. Thank you, man. Uh, yeah. Good luck. Good luck to and, you. And, and, and take it to him, man. I hope you I hope you I hope you win. All right. So send folks to warnock4georgia.com. That's the website. You can support us. You you know if you don't live in Georgia you can still give to my campaign. I'm about to they got a great offer. Go to Warnock for Georgia. You can give to the campaign. You can also volunteer no matter where you live. Uh, if you take the midnight train to Georgia, make it a digital train. 
and uh, support our campaign. I don't live there, like but that. my daughter does, and I'm going to make sure some of my money finds its way to you. Or oh, is that wrong? I can't say that. No, that's right. That's a good thing. I can't thing. say that. <laughs> Thank All you right, so Rev, much. Take care, man. Good luck to you. Thank you so much.